Welcome back to Port Save Africa. It's your host, Akande Adirili, and I'm here with Caro Omo. Did I get that right? I think I got it right. Did I get it right? I got it right. I'm going <laughs> yes, to... Did. I did. Oh, perfect. Awesome. So I'm here with Caro, and um, we're going to be talking about her life and the work that she does. Um, I followed her from a distance on Twitter and got to like a few of her tweets, and when I was looking for people to share information on... Um, and displaced women and displaced people and the kind of their experiences and, and how to help them. Uh, she was a person that everybody kind of pointed at. So uh, let's start with this, Carol. How about you tell us about yourself? Um, this, I don't know. This is a nice question that you should always expect. But yes. Every time I get asked that, I still am like, what do I say? But yeah, my name is Carol Omo and I am... I think I'm a marketing executive, so that's okay. what I do. My day job is marketing. Well, All right. My actual, actual passion, which I should be doing with my life, okay. is doing social work. So I'm interested in women and children and just generally things that can improve the lives of people with like disadvantages. So it could be health disadvantages, it could be um, financial and stuff like that. I'm just very much interested in working with people that mm. are um i don't know what's the word just basically mm. people the people in society that we don't always give that much attention to so mm. i really have a lot of interest in that okay okay and um how did you if i just ask more personal questions um where are you based uh you know are you how did you get to the point where you are now like you know i'm not gonna ask about your age or anything like that but you know if you were to give a brief synopsis of your life so far, what would that be? Um, so the story I haven't told, I don't, I'm not sure I've said this before, but I think when, when I was 10, okay. when I was turning 10, my parents had asked me what I wanted to do for my birthday. And I said, oh, I want to go to an orphanage. And I really don't know where that came from, but I really mm-hmm. wanted to go to an orphanage for my birthday. And they were like, who told you about this? Oh, wow, this is wonderful. Um, so for some reason they rewarded me really? and I ended up having three birthday parties and I was like why is everyone like making this such a big deal and I really enjoyed it so we went to the orphanage my friends came okay. my family and then I had my 10th birthday there okay. and so those people there really became like people I considered my friends at that time I was 10 it's not like a long lasting friendship but right. those were like my friends at the time hmm. and as I got older I just found that I really enjoyed doing these things and just being with and people that were considered vulnerable at the time. And even if I, I, I don't think I was that privileged, like, but I always still, always, like, I still went back. Okay. She just goes to the open age. I continue to do that. And then when I came of age to do stuff by myself, I would probably do an orphanage visit for Mandela Day. I, I really, like, I'm a big... Nelson Mandela fan. Yeah. So I started to do that. And then through uni, maybe my dad's remember us. So every time I had something that I wanted to celebrate, mm-hmm. I would go to celebrate with people. So I would always just go either to an orphanage or to go give blood. And I really, really enjoy it. So it's just something I did. Okay. And eventually, I did it unofficially for years. And then eventually, I would say last year, mm-hmm. last so yeah, 2017, there was a conversation online about um, about the price of pads. And I could remember that last time I bought pads in Nigeria, it was 200 naira. And okay. then everyone was like, pads are not like 400 naira. I was like, this makes oh, no sense. Wow. 
So just thinking about that, just joining that conversation, I just thought about the people that could already not afford pals when they were 200 naira and right. what they would be doing now. Okay. So I just did a brief research. I just asked questions. I called people and just asked questions really. And people were saying, this is really a problem. So I said, okay, fine. Let's just do something about it. I didn't really, I wasn't thinking that I wanted to start an organization or anything. I was just like, okay, let's do something about it. And then I just sent out a tweet. I said, well, I'm going to send parts to IDP camps and public schools. And if you want to be part of it, send me your money. Okay. So, yeah. So I, it was surprising. I put my account number and it was like 5,000 euros was the first amount of money that came in. Okay. And I went to sleep. So I sent Twitter maybe 2 a.m. It must have been 2 a.m. It was at night. Okay. And then I woke up and by the time I woke up, it was like 200 and something thousand in my account. Wow. And then went to like 300 and something thousand in the first week. It was like a million. Wow. Okay. Wow. Um, okay. And everyone was like, how do you want to go about this? And there were people reaching out and saying, oh, I want to be part of the team that does this. And at the time, I wasn't in Nigeria. Okay. So I like, put together a team and we just like planned. I was like, I'm, already, I'm, coming to, I'm going to come to Nigeria next month and let's just plan logistics. Where are we going first? Blah, 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 blah. Okay. And everyone was just like, I, I got so much support and so much help. Like, I, I didn't believe how real it was. Um, those people from like, PRG calling and saying, oh, how do we come in? And just people all over Nigeria just wow. saying, this, this is really a good thing. And people from ITP camps. And so by the time I came to Nigeria, we had planned, we went to an IDP camp in Jos, one in Borno, and wow. um, we went to a school in Ajegole. Okay. And that's the school my mom went to. And yeah. I spent like a good part of my childhood in Ajegole. So the first place I went to was my mom's former secondary school. Okay. And then we went there. And that's how we started. And I don't know, but it really just had a life of its own. And it was, I think it had a life of its own because we had not thought about how much of a problem this was. Right. But it was like, oh, in my mind, this was going to be one of. Okay. Well, after a while, it was like, you need to register this thing. It needs to be a full-blown organization. And I'm like, what am I doing? Am I ready for this commitment? But because of how much help and how much energy everyone brought, right. it just continued to live. Like, it just grew. And now we have staff. Like, we have people that work. And, wow. Like, not full-time. Like, not full-time, but I'd say part-time. But they are, like, staff of sanitary aid. Okay. It's, like, there's just so much coming and so much expansion. Many people have partnered with us. People have been like, oh, come on board. How can we help you? Okay. And I'm rambling, but, yeah. No, that's no, please. Please. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That, that's that's really incredible. Um, now, now, now I, let me ask some details. This is a little selfish, I guess, for me. But I, I think a lot of our listeners also find themselves in spaces where they're interested in doing some good. Um, one of the, the things a lot of people tend to struggle with is putting together a team of people who are who can match their energy to some degree. How did, how did you do that? So I'm saying that I, I, like this will sound, I don't know how, how to say it because I, I, I did not like putting together the team mm-hmm. was not how do I say this? I there's no time, like there was no much thinking. Like I'm very, very spontaneous. Okay. So and it's not a good thing. Like oh, it's not? I won't think as a good thing, but sometimes it makes me make like but it was like this person, I'm feeling what this person is saying. Okay. You know, the team. 
Really? Yeah. <laughs> so that's how it was. Like, in the beginning, honestly, in the beginning, a lot of it was how much energy is this person bringing because I, okay. like, I had a lot of energy and I really wanted energy that matched my energy, you know? Okay. So at that time, maybe one, the only person on my team, so I have, like, on the team now, we, we have about eight people that or seven that have been here from the beginning. Mm-hmm. But the first person on the team was someone I already knew. Okay. So, and she had um, been, okay. Um, let me just go back right there. Sure, uh, sure. Yeah. So I have this. I started this other organization right. called um, Foundation for the Eradication of Child Labor. Okay. And an organization that we started with. I'm not answering your question. I'm, no, I'm no. Go, hey, go um, ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. This is the ideal way for this to happen. Please go ahead. <laughs> but this foundation was one that we started with the biggest dreams. Okay. And it was like, oh my God, there are children on the streets, which is how I am. Like, I'm like, oh, there's a problem. I have to solve this. Which right. is so silly. Because no, you no, can't. No. Like, you really can't solve every problem in the world. So I'm only just learning that. But when when I started this organization, I was like, we just need to take children off the streets and put them in school. Hmm. And I put together a team. And we started, we started, and when we started, we were maybe 30 people. Right. And everyone was like, we have to do this right away. We need to get registered. We need okay. to write this. We need to, and they were right. But they brought in a lot of, this is the way it has to be, and we need to do it by the books, hmm. which was good. But then it took us a whole year to do anything with the organization. Wow. A whole year? It took a whole year. And by the time the whole year had gone, we're now down from like 30 to say seven or eight. Wow. But we did the right thing. Like we started an organization, and that organization is doing quite well on its own, you know? Okay. But it took us that long. So when I was, when we were starting Sanitary Aid, mm-hmm. I was like, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to move, you know. Really? So okay. it wasn't it wasn't that something was wrong with the way the other organization was or with team was the other organization it was the fact that the energy was different and with how sensitive education is, that was the mm-hmm. right way to go. Mm-hmm. But with this part, it was like we needed to do something because it wasn't something that was going to always be top of mind right 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 the moment you say education to anybody they know what you're saying right with pads it's not always like i mean it's not something that people say what do people lack and they say i want to buy pads it's not really right. top yeah of people mind. don't really think about we that we had to obviously move with the momentum that we had at the time okay so in starting the team it was like how many what can all these people bring and what do we need in terms of what we needed was social media word of mouth stuff right. like that and so this was born on the internet. It has been people that were on Twitter at the time, people that were actively ready to do something online and get it done. Huh. So we got a lot of people. We got one person that Gabby has like her strength to build the website. Okay. And she did that. She just did that days. And there was some like there was Gabby, there was Tolani, oh business development, write something that would be our business. Okay. And there was like Cynthia saying, organize the project and just all around wow. and then we got like an admin person, Mide, can you do legwork? And she was on holiday from school. She's like, I can go everywhere. Wow. I know Lagos very well and I can, you know, do that. Wow. So the entire thing that we put together was very functional. Okay. And then there was somebody that had to handle our social media. It's like, if you can, you always put out updates on what we're doing. How can we work together, make a WhatsApp group? Okay. And there was somebody that like was away. She also had like websites to experience Alexa. She brought, brought in that. Just trying, there was just everybody with one thing that they could do in that moment to push it forward. Right. And just we just moved. It was it wasn't I don't think that in the beginning 
now we are a lot more chilled and we, we're not taking like now we don't do everything that comes to mind okay like in the beginning when you begin someone to say oh we have this school and they're girls here yeah, they need pass of like we'll be right there and then mm. we'll start us like looking for money and just you know mm. going like we're just really you're full vent everything you chase that, after yeah on that vibe but luckily my my i don't know the way that i was moving at the time i was able to get a team that was moving that way okay. also a team that grew and now we are a lot more calculated and there's now new people on the team that are telling us sorry you can't just decide you have to bring it to the board and like oh god well yes so <laughs> <laughs> right right does it has it become i, I was just asking you know because you're at the helm right you're you're in charge you're the leader um has it you know do you have any thoughts on how leadership has worked and how that has evolved as you guys have grown a little bigger sorry i didn't get that um i was asking if uh if the 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 leadership has changed as you guys have grown bigger is that is that more difficult now um have you had any do you have any interesting insights on leadership now that you know you guys have grown to some to some degree I actually had to take a leadership course. Really? Like online. Okay. Just because at some point I started feeling like I just felt like I wasn't being if like I wasn't being the leader that I needed to be at that time. I okay. Know I was, but I, I I really had to do that, and I think that I learned what my biggest learning has been about dedication hmm. and also being firm. Okay. So I've, I've had to learn that and I've had to be like, okay, other people can do a lot of these things and let other people make their decisions and let them do what they have to do. Like at some point I had to be like, I, ha- I need a holiday from this. And it doesn't wow. seem like a lot, like it may not seem like a lot of work okay. in general. Like it may not seem like a lot of work when people look at you from the outside because they're like, oh, you guys are always doing something. There's always somebody, you always have people that want to work with you. Right. But even at that, you, you now learn how to look at people's strengths and see what they can do. Like, even when people say, I can do this, they probably can't. Okay. And as a leader, huh. you need to just know, you just need to know the abilities of people that are around you and, uh, and strengths and be able to use their strengths and, huh. you know, not play on their weaknesses. You know, like, so it was quite... I've had like times where I'm the one who needed to be stopped, like calm down. <laughs> really? Yeah, like and you need to know when to step back. Okay. I had to take like a long, not long, but it's like three weeks. Like, don't tell me anything about sign trade for three weeks. Wow. Because I didn't feel like I was giving them my best hmm. and I wasn't concentrating. So I was like, I need to take a step back. And I think it's just important sometimes to just it's not about you. It's about the work. So if you're trying to get something done the most important thing is the result and so if that's it then you need to remove yourself from it sometimes so i think those are my learnings i don't know okay. my that's, team will probably say different but i think i've had to learn that over time that's 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 awesome man and uh just shout out to this course real quick so that some interested parties might might be able to take this leadership course too this is this uh what, what leadership course was it it was just one online Really? I don't remember what it was called, yeah. but it was basically leadership for um, non-governmental organizations. Really? Somebody on my team actually sent it to me to take the course. Okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> was that like, <laughs> damn, the shade. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Carrie, we should 
take this course. I know she said we. I know oh, she said we. <laughs> like you, you need a course. Crazy. Oh my gosh. Okay, that's 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 amazing. It's amazing that you have like you have people around you that can hold you accountable. How do you foster an environment where like people? Because a lot of times when when you have leaders, the people around them are really kind of afraid to tell them anything or there's a cult of personality and they just can't, you know, nobody can say, nobody can keep the leader in check. How, how do you like foster that environment? Is it just that these are your friends or, or how does that work? I, I think that for a lot of, like for like my team and people that I've worked with in, in all, in, in all of these, they're my peers. So right. I'm not one big monster that came from somewhere. Right. There are people that have seen me grow and I've known like, when we started this, like a lot of people say, oh, I want to work with you because I know this is what you've always wanted to do. So mm. these are people that know me and know my personality. Okay. So I think that it's quite, I don't, they may say it different, but I think it's just quite easy for them. Like sometimes they just send me a message and say, oh, this is happening. And I think that you need to look at it or we've been doing things. So I think we need to, it's, I, I haven't really felt like, in fact, I haven't really felt like, I haven't really felt like high up there, like, oh, I'm the leader. Hmm. Like, obviously, this, a lot of, like, this is my idea. I started it. I did the, all that. But with a lot of them, a lot of them are, have vested interests as much as I do. Really? So, okay. Even, so I, I know for a fact that when they're worried about stuff, it's genuine. It's coming from a good place. Hmm. So I don't, I don't really, I don't feel like that. And maybe new people, maybe new newer people that have joined the team. They, when when they met me, they met me as the founder, so they may not really, you know, uh, know. But I always try to make it clear that whatever it is, you can send me a private message and be like, or you can schedule a call or something and be like, this is how I feel. And I think we've always gotten good feedback, even when it's painful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now the, the 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 I like to switch a little more to the work itself. Um, you mentioned earlier that one of your first first locations you went up to was a was a IDP camp in Borno. I know yeah. Borno is pretty much, I mean, at least for the past couple of years, has been the node of where the Boko Haram insurgency has come from, which has caused a lot of these of this displacement in the first place. Um, you know, do you mind just sharing what that experience was like? You know, many people don't have a frame of reference for what that experience must have been like, and. I'd love to hear from you what that actually was like. Okay, so for Borno, I, I didn't travel to Borno because okay. first we have a team there. Like we have people that have been from the beginning, like I'd say volunteers, but they really have been there from the beginning. Wow. So we did not have to like fly all the way out there. Right. But in, in terms of logistics, what we had to do was we actually had to also pay for security. Okay know the communities, tell them ahead of time and wow. just generally prepare a little more than we would do in places where there was no insurgency. Okay. So in, in that, like all our trips there we've always had to go with security and we've always had to put security in mind. Like always right. been, like there are still there are places currently that we wanted to go to in the last month that we haven't been able to go to because those parts are places that you can only go with now a different level of security wow. or just places that only UN helicopters go to. Wow. wow. So there are parts, yeah. So there are parts that we can't get to. Like no matter how much you say, oh, I want to go here, wow. it's it's not even a price. Like, like you can't just do it. Wow. You know, you can't you don't have access to the level of security needed to go to those places. But there are also other places that you can because the truth is you'd never you would never run out of people 
in need at this time. Like mm, there's so true. many communities that we haven't even been able to reach. Right. So for that, it's like, okay, if you can't get here, where can we get to and what, and what can we do? So in all of this, it's so important, like when you do work up, up north, in places, not just up north, but in particular places where there's so just, you need to get people that are already there, hmm. that know what it is. People that work with us are people that already work with NGOs in this area, so they know what is expected on ground. They can tell you that this place, you can't go there. This place, they don't need this. This is what they need. This place, you know? So it's, you can't just come from your wherever you're coming from, right. your high house, and be like, this is what I need to do. Right. This is what right. I need to do. Sometimes you're giving people help that they genuinely don't need. Hmm. So wow. you always need to like examine your community and see what the impact on that community is going to be. Okay. And also speak to people that are on ground that have been there for years, that know the terrains, that know how to get there. Because okay. it's, it's a lot of experience. Like, like you would think that's oh, I can just walk into a camp after like, bringing them something and distribute it. But you can't because there are already things that are expected in those areas. Right. People that you have to talk to, sometimes community leaders mobilize them, sometimes translators because their own dialect is different. Hmm. Sometimes the camp directors, if you're going to like a proper camp, because there are ITP camps and the ITP communities. And for a lot of them, like in, in, in um, Borneo, like some of them, IDP camps are more structured, so they already get a lot of help. Right, and right, right. that have IDPs already, but they are not camps. So it's people oh. that have settled and okay. just taken up land somewhere or have been uh, welcomed in a community, and they are now taking a lot of resources in that community that it's not even enough for people that welcome them, you know? Yeah. So sometimes you would have to make those decisions saying, should I go to a camp where there's structure? Mm-hmm. Or should I go to a community where they need it more? And if I'm going to this community, what kind of security do I need? Who do I need to talk to? Who do I need to take permission from? Because there's like a lot of sometimes a lot of clearance you have to get to come in because you can't they can't trust anybody just coming in and say, I want to give you stuff. Why do you want to give us stuff? And what is what do you want from us, you know? Right, right, right. Um, um, yeah. Yeah, speaking for like oh, no, jobs. I grew up in Jaws, so yeah. now that's like a little easier. Like I like I understand the terrain a little more. Okay. So you went there? No, my family did. Okay, okay. My mom actually did. My mom is like, wow. my mom and my sister are like, just like they own that part. We have, um, I'll say, maybe in 10 states, we have people that uh, have worked with us from the beginning. Mm-hmm. So it's like my, fa- my, my mom, so she's, she's really, really, really like talking about sign trade everywhere she goes. Okay. So that one was easy. She and my sister took up the camp. I think at the first time we went to Jaws, actually, I was meant to go to just when I was pregnant and I couldn't fly. Ah. So I ended up not going. That was quite disappointing. But, right. but we did that and it, it worked out pretty well. So we decided that we had to think about long term solutions so i'm talking to like i'm talking to a few people that are currently there right. and we're just coming up with a long-term plan but short term we decided to raise some money and we were able to raise 200 and something 225 000 naira. Okay. so after doing small math we're like okay maybe we should instead of raising money and just going out to Sheffield, we should probably go into these communities and identify using hospitals and identify um children who are currently 
being treated for malnutrition. Mm -hmm. So what we'll do is give food to 50 families. Okay. So who have children already being treated for malnutrition and then we'll just allocate 4,000 or 5,000 each to each family and then we'll take it from there. I mean, that can do something for, that can actually provide up to a food for a month right. for some families. All right, 125. Yeah, we can pick up from there while we go through what is the like long-term plan for the families we've seen. Obviously, there's a lot, a lot of, uh, I'll say many organizations are doing different things to help in these communities, but the scale of work and the number, number of people affected is just, like, it's too much. Hmm. You have, you have, like, someone reached out the other day and was saying they had IDPs in Benin, and these are people wow. that have come from the north. Wow. So they have traveled and literally across the country, all the way in those states. Wow! So that, like, you know, so to think about the scale of what's involved is not just what 10, 20 organizations can deal with, and so right. many organizations continue to do different things, providing like water. Last time I was speaking to someone about one of these communities they had gone to and said, Oh, now at this point, clean water is not their problem because some, um. Some organization has come and built like bubbles in different communities. So now they have clean water in a lot of communities okay. that did not have that, say, three, four years ago. Wow. So at, so in the end, there's just so much to do. Right. But like, you just have to continue to put in work and do what you can. But right now, like in this, I, I think that I'm way different from the person I was two years ago because... Before, it would be, let's do something now, 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 which, I mean, you still want to do, but you also need to continue to think about sustainability. Mm -hmm. So what happens next month? What happens in three months' time, in two months' time? What's the thing that you're doing? Are you really empowering people? Are you just feeding them for now? Mm -hmm. Instead, it's about what are the long-term solutions? What can you do to empower people to be able to help themselves? Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. So, so, So just to give my listeners a little bit of context, that distance... From Benin to Borno is about 615 miles. That's almost a thousand kilometers. So it's a hell of a journey. Um, I, I, I always like, you know, I also spend a lot of time and in, in, for me, volunteering and, and giving my time to other people is incredibly important to me. This podcast is another way I do so. But um, I try to get, you know, physically in spaces. I volunteer at a different um place or location of charity every week and I try to get people to do so within my company. Um, however, I do understand that it, it does take a little bit of a toll on you, doesn't it? The, the, the amount of, I guess, how would I describe it? I, wouldn't, I don't want to use the word sadness, but almost the misfortune around you almost has a, there's a weight to it to some degree. There's a natural, I don't know if it's guilt or there's a feeling you get realizing that there's so many people who have who are in such a bad situation and yeah. your, your ability to deal with it is limited how, how do you deal with that and how does that feel because i mean you're you're dealing with it on an extremely magnified scale i think I, I i think that so i don't like in the end you like when you do stuff like this you have to think about your mental health hmm. and it's like you can't overemphasize how much you need to take a break when it comes to things like this and you just need to and also just the support system you have around you to be very honest 
I had such an amazing support system that that's the only reason I know that if I didn't have that, I would not be like be able to continue doing these things. Like as much as I enjoy it, I, I genuinely like I like I live for I live for this work that we do. Hmm. I enjoy it. And this is the difference. Like when people say something like sometimes people say, Oh, I think you're selfless. I'm like, I'm really not because I feel like it is selfish. Hmm. Hmm. because I am doing something that I enjoy doing right. and it's the exact reason why I don't really believe that people should be forced into doing say charity or doing mm. this kind of work because okay. if you don't enjoy it it, it will show right, and right. if you don't enjoy it you just would hate every day right. so as much as I love doing this I also have a good support system I I have like I'm, I'm now friends with therapists like I have a therapist that I call up and I'm like, oh, I'm dying. <laughs> I think that's like, there's so much happening. And she like, she knows so much of what it is because even when it comes to cases of, sometimes we have cases that come to us where people have been raped in these camps or mm. even just regular people being like raped or assaulted. Mm. I'm like, you need to talk to a therapist first before you even start trying to get future help and stuff like that. So for me, it's just having a really healthy support system, caring about my mental, my mental health and being open about the things that I deal with or the work that I'm doing, you know, just being, it's out there. It's like, it's, this is my life. Hmm. So I, I try my best to be like, oh, on the hard days, I'm like, it's really hard. I need a break. I don't yeah. always take a break, right. to be very honest. And sometimes I get myself to my breaking points. But luckily, there are people around me that say, sorry, you have to shut it down. And I'll take that off from you. There are always so many winning people. And when you see other people's energy, like I've never really had a situation where I could say there's no one to call. There's always somebody that I, I know that will be willing to take this off, even if, if even if it's not in totality, but just the fact that I know that there's someone somewhere that will say, okay, I'll take this off, or you can give me this to do, or I have people messaging me every day saying, give me work, like give me work, you know? So that keeps me going. So it's I'm, I'm, I would say that like yeah so much luckier than people that started doing this work 20, 30 years ago. Right. In the sense that a lot of people have a lot to say about our generation, all of that. But I've had like a, like a lot of good experiences with people that want to also help. So <laughs> that helps more than the days where people were doing it by themselves. Right. You know, so now there's at least a good number of there'll always be people that but I don't focus on that. There'll always be people that are not interested in pushing work, but there are lots of people that are willing to help and take up responsibility, even if it's just a little hmm. and just a little. And that will just keep you going. When you see how much joy it gives these people to do the work, how much joy it gives the people that your work is impacting. Huh. I mean this sometimes sometimes it's enough, but sometimes you need a break. So yeah, right. it's huh. just like when you're between that. Awesome. Awesome. And then um, you mentioned, first of all, thanks for sharing that and kind of framing into that. So I guess I haven't heard people discuss it and with, I guess, the vulnerability and honesty that you just shared. Uh, my my follow up question to that is that you mentioned that at the end of the day, kind of as part of, of the earlier conversation, that at the end of the day, this is a problem with such these are problems with massive scales. And, and you know, you have multiple people trying to do what they can. Um, but but fundamentally, it's it's just a huge unending problem. So the first thing is long term solutions. Um, you know, it is 
it we don't seem to have, especially in Nigeria, and I haven't, you know, admittedly, I haven't I follow Nigeria extremely actively, but I haven't been in Nigeria for a few years now, probably about three. Um and you know, we don't seem to be a society that has been very good at executing long-term solutions for a long time or has a framework or a system where it's easy to set up long-term solutions. Like you don't even know um, sometimes what's going to happen tomorrow. Um, oftentimes, how do you, how do you work with that level of uncertainty with, with what you guys do and how do you manage disappointments? Like when people don't do what you expect them to do, when partners don't deliver as promised, how do you deal with that? I'm Nigerian, so I half expect it. <laughs> Honestly, like, it, it, I'm, I'm not joking. Sometimes, so, I'd say, I, I, oh, I'm always talking about, oh, positive, positive. But trust me, it's ridiculous sometimes. Like, we have gone to certain departments in the government and said, oh, we want to give our pads. This is not, this is not give us money for right. the pads or support us or do anything for us. And people in those organizations have said, you have to give us something for you, for us, for you, sorry. People in those organizations have said, you have to give us something for us to allow you wow. to go out Wow. I kid you not. Wow. Like, I, like I'm not, like, I'm not lying. <laughs> wow. I'm not lying. So oh, when no. you, like, think about that, it's just overwhelming like it's overwhelming the structures that there are a friend of mine and i'm not going to call her name just because I, like i didn't ask her permission to share but a friend of mine once built a like put together funds and go somewhere in an idp camp for them to be uh, for the women there to be sewing hmm. so she got a machine for them to sew and she got a generator and the cab director to the generator to his house or something. Ah. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> so, oh so like, it's, it's not always, like, it's not, it's not always enabling. So this is why you, like, you can't do these things. Like, if you come in saying, I'm the Messiah, right. you're just going to die. <laughs> like, you literally just fall down and die one day because there are just so many pickups that you come across in the system right. that remind you of where you really are. Yeah. And we can only try and get as many allies as we can, like, sense that, like, sometimes you see people that want to work with you in the government, anywhere, like, people that are willing to help you cross some hurdles, like, one, like, one time when I was trying to, um, I think, get some approval, some, I, I tweeted about it, and I, I, People will say, why do you do that? Because sometimes you don't even know who is going to help you. Huh. But I think about yeah, somebody I didn't even follow at the time reached out to me and said, oh, my mom is in this department. Just go straight to my mom. Wow. And that was how we got that using connection. Right, right. You know, so, and it was it was an approval that you would think that, oh, any death this falls on, definitely they're going to let me. Right. But no, it's not, it's not always like that. I just need to anticipate it. Sometimes it means something's not going to go forward, but mm. you can't die. Like you just have to try. Like you know, you like you just want to go to bed every day knowing that you tried and you did what needed to be done. Right. At that time, but they're, they're just. I, I mean, like, 
we can but that's why like a lot of what we do we can't always just want to be in the path that we've chosen sometimes like big policy and who can i meet to say that and change the laws you know we should change the laws right. countries are starting giving out free parts who can we talk to to help us advocate for right. laws because it's not just now it's not just we can't it's not sustainable to give forever like it's yeah. just not a sustainable model to be like we are crowdfunded so as much as people give us money we'll give us but like, it, it right. really doesn't make sense to, for that to be your plan hmm. so in the long term where where are you going with the work that you're doing and that's why like now a lot of what we are doing and what as we're still doing what we started doing what we're doing is research is coming up with ways that we're going to sustain these organizations beyond crowdfunding beyond always getting people involved yes like getting people involved is great but can we always meet the scale because we can't we can't like now for crowdfunding we don't we, we have we don't raise as much funds as we were raising in the beginning when we just started right it's right. like it's just it's naturally die. like nobody's going to always give your money, money. for stuff like that you know? so in the end you have to examine the community that you're in and see what's the best way in that community like what's the best like we're working in nigeria whatever is working in a first world country in terms of charity we don't work where we are so how can we get around this who can we talk to what connections can we make hmm. and one thing that i try to always do is to use my network hmm. so i'm not even like i'm way beyond being proud like way beyond that like it's like excuse me i'm like hi you guys, I need help. And somebody will always be like, oh, you can speak to this person who has done it before. You can speak to this person as a doctor. You can speak to this person that is. And that has helped beyond beyond whatever skill I think I have. Hmm. Beyond my own knowledge or beyond whatever passion. Like, at this point, I'm no longer running on passion. Hmm. It's just like, how can we now, like, beyond this, how can we get it done? And you just find new ways to work with the system to improve the system and just get get it done really awesome huh all right now now the the, the next question i'd like to ask is is kind of big scale stepping back and, and being a little retrospective what would you say has been your greatest moment in your involvement so far and what has been your uh least great moment let's frame it that way i don't say worst but at <laughs> least great moments Feel free to think about that one. Um, so my greatest moment, what thing happened to me personally, it happened to someone on our team. Okay. And immediately what happened to her was she was walking on the streets one day and three girls, she said, approached her and they were just like signing to her. And she couldn't understand what they were saying. So she gave them a paper to write what it was. And apparently there were girls from a school that we had been to. Mm -hmm. And when we had gone to that school, they told us they had um, some deaf students. And so we went back again and we tried to continue to continue to go back to that to, to that particular. They're not that many. We just continue to go back to that particular um, group of girls. So one of them remembered her from it and she was just so happy about it. And it just gave her so much joy because they had seen her and recognized her off the bat and were just saying how they were grateful that she had come to them. And when she brought that back to me and mentioned it to me, it just gave me a lot of joy because this was no longer us going to them. Mm. They were also like 
it meant something to them. Huh. They always, like, every time we've gone, everywhere we've gone to, we've gotten amazing feedback. For some girls, it's like, it's the first, <laughs> it's the first pack of pads they have received in their lives. Like, it's the first wow. time they're going to be using pads. So it's not even just that, oh, we can no longer afford pads because pads are not expensive. It's that even when they were not expensive, we never had them, you know? Right. So it's that feedback. And what happened to her that day is just when she like came back to me with it, it meant so much. I don't know if I even felt more proud. I, I always tell the story about it again, and it wasn't even me happened to, but it meant so much. Like, it meant so much to me as an individual just knowing that. It was that much impact to them. Like that, that's what we did in, in that moment was such a big deal to them. Right. I think, yes. That's... And my not so great, well... great moment. Um, I, I don't know. I think I have a few. Please? Not a few. I don't know. Share all of them. Please go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. So I think we went to this event one time and her pads must have arrived. Maybe they arrived late, but they arrived. So we were buying this particular like brand of pads for the first time. Mm-hmm. And we had managed, like usually would have said, would have tested them before we ever went to give them out. Mm. But logistics... Right. And we didn't get to test them. And by the time they arrived, everyone was panicking. And it wasn't our best moments because the team just didn't approve of it. And we were not able to, I'm sure we didn't even have money, to provide an alternative in that moment. Hmm. Obviously, it was great because eventually someone else from another organization saved the situation and got parts to them at that time. Okay. But I think that whole that whole outing had mm. so many problems that had come with it in the sense of logistics, planning, just agreeing to anything. I think a, a lot of a lot of like down moments that we have had, in my opinion, have been maybe not assessing the situation before getting ourselves into it. Mm-hmm. You know, and in the end, it's not about you being disappointed. It's about you disappointing people. the people that are trying to give some joy to. You know, right, right. Huh. So yeah, I don't. I think I think that's what that's what comes to mind now. Huh. And to hopefully bring it to a lighter note, what has been, we would say, the most funny moment, the one that just brought you a laugh. It could be anything at all, but you know, I always like to. Uh, frame things with you more a little bit, but I think I, I think I had uh, I think I had um, quite. I'll say our, our first outing had a lot of laughs because we went to a mixed school, okay. and the boys had a lot to say about periods, and it just they did they had a lot of they had lots of ridiculous things to say, and it was just interesting, like correcting the mates, just generally laughing about it. Because I think at the time, I said, oh, the boys should go out. And they're like, they didn't want to go out. So I was like, oh, yeah, it's a teachable moment. You might as well stay and listen to what and listen to um, what we have to say. And they had just the funniest 
um, questions. Really? Or just, it, it just made them so shy. And it's like, you guys are like 15. Are you really? <laughs> right. But now that I think, not now, but after then I realized that even 30-year-old boys find periods embarrassing. And it was just enlightening for me. It was funny, but it was also enlightening. Like, what do boys really think? goes down there like are they serious? like what's going on you know right. but you know i think a lot of that was interesting and funny and just in general in general we've had even when i talk about how people ask us for say bribe to come mm. and give out pads right i find that funny like it's ridiculous but when you sit down and think about it you'll be like are you people serious and you know, sometimes it's a good laugh sometimes it's annoying and frustrating but yeah all right. Now, uh, the next question I keep asking, I love to ask big picture questions if you haven't noticed by now, but um, the next question I'd like to ask is uh, what what if you were to you know frame your life and this organization, all the work you do in like, what, 10 years, 15 years, maybe um, what what's the dream? What if everything played out exactly as they should, no hiccups, everything just worked perfectly. God was extremely good. Everything just all the all the cylinders are firing. What What is the vision? What is the dream long term? Where would you like to be in 10, 15 years? In 10, 15 years, I hope that like, if everything goes according to plan, there'll be no need to have sanitary aid initiative. Mm. So that's the goal for a time when we're not needed. Right. I like I don't I I I honestly like in the end you think you would say oh you want to grow and all of that. But if if I had like if we had a if we had like I mean there's there's what's happening in Scotland now and in a few places in Kenya when they're giving school girls free parts and all of that. If we had that in Nigeria where school girls are getting free sanitary hygiene products or right. where girls in ID becomes had been like were not displaced anymore and they were they were already resettled, sorry, they were already resettled and they had access to they had access to education and they had access to sanitary hygiene products. Then I'm fine to so moving on to another project. <laughs> it's not something I want to like it's not like I I want to do this and I want the organization to go. Right. But in ten years I don't want Nigeria to be where it is. Right. I don't want us to have, a, I don't want us to still be thinking about the fact that millions, and this is not an exaggeration, and millions of girls every month don't have access to sanitary hygiene products. I just don't want us to be there in 10 years. Like, I see the organization having structure, doing this, going here, doing, doing uh, educating girls. Because for me, beyond giving out parts, I think the most important thing for me as an individual and for our organization is the education that we give, which is how we teach girls how to manage their menstrual hygiene and teach. So now we're introducing a bit of um, sex education and just all of that. Beyond that, maybe we can go from being giving like, go from being like just an organization that gives, or go from being an organization that gives our hygiene products to a purely educational one hmm. that's going around giving pure education on sexual um, um on sex education, giving hygiene education, just having proper syllabus and saying that we're going around and we're teaching and we're impacting people with knowledge because on the face or at the top or in the end that they have what they need. Right. And we're just there, you know, I don't I don't know how to put it, but we want to grow, we want to sustain ourselves, we want to 
in fact, actually go to teaching people how to um, make their own sanitary pads. Mm. So, and, if uh, you can teach people that, if wow. you can go around teaching people how to even move from move from the current sanitary pads they use to reusable pads that are made at home, right. that would be a good place to be, a very good place to be. All right, and and from what you mentioned, you're working the, on on that. You're on the way. You're not just looking at it. Um, yes. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Uh, now, I guess, I guess I've, I guess you beyond me just asking and you just sharing. I think I think you've shared um, almost all the questions I'd like to ask. Um, but more importantly to me is how we support you and the work you do. Um, how how do we go about doing that? Both for people who live in Nigeria and on the continent, but people who live in America. A lot of my listeners are actually uh, based in, in the United States as well. Um, do you have you know Do you have means that we can use to support your initiatives and keep track of them in the future? Uh, we've got a we've got a website. So our okay. website is sanitaryaidng.com. Okay. And on our website, you can donate on our website. And if you want to, because I, I notice a lot of people like to ask questions. So we've mm-hmm. got a Twitter page. You can always like mention us and just ask questions. We've got a Facebook page as well and Instagram. And we have an email, help at sanitaryaidng.com. Mm-hmm. So if you decide to go through the website, you can donate through the website. Or if you want to just know more of how, on how you can come in as a volunteer, like as an individual, like certain people want to volunteer their time. Okay. And you can volunteer your time even if you're not in Nigeria. So you can say, oh, I want to help you with research. Oh. Or I want to help you with um, finding grants that you can apply for. Okay. And writing um, policies because that's the, that's the direction we are heading. Okay. So if you want to volunteer your time, you can always reach out and volunteer your time. And we're more than happy to take advantage of your time and <laughs> use it to help the work that we do. Amazing. Amazing. Now, uh, a final question I ask almost all of my my guests um, is, is, is a two-part question. Um, but the first part is, you know, looking at kind of the future of the country, the continent, and all the work you do, really. Um, what are you most optimistic about if you had to project into the future? And um, the other part of it is, what are you most pessimistic? Like, what worries you, what concerns you the most about kind of how things are trending? Um, so, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm very, 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 very happy and optimistic about the fact that people are acknowledging the issues that we have in society when it comes to women's hygiene, women's health, and yeah. children in general, and, and then the role of education. And I've spoken about sanitary aid a lot, but yeah. our other organization, Eradication, like Foundation for the Eradication of Child Labor, right. tries to deal with child labor laws and trying to get children who like are on the streets into school. Yeah. So I'm very optimistic about the fact that people admit that it's a problem. Mm. individuals are admitting as a problem and we can see from the trends and from even from the news you can see that for sanitary hygiene and for education and women's health these things are part of sustainable development goals like the people the world is admitting that it's a problem mm. and just that being admitted is something that makes me happy because 
it means that more people are saying this and even if you haven't thought about it, you may think about it, you know. Right. So I see that at least as, as a win for people in our society who are vulnerable in different aspects, for the old people, for the women, the children, for people that are poor and all of that. That's a good thing that is like that people are admitting and trying to find ways to solve these problems. What I'm most pessimistic about is the system in the country that doesn't let you do stuff. Mm. Like it is it gets frustrating. Like it gets frustrating to just speak to people that's like it gets frustrating to say speak to people in um like around the world and you just all they can think about is the hindrances they would face when they try to do things in Nigeria because of the system mm. or because of how many middlemen there are or just how difficult things are in general to get things done. Mm. If that doesn't improve, we will not get the scale of progress that we need. So for me, those are the two things. Like, okay, yeah, it's great that we've admitted that this is a problem, but do we have an enabling enough system to do right. these things? And that system is what I find right now even most frustrating huh. right. that you can't just you can't just do things and you can't just get up and do things because there'll be one or two problems okay. you can't think of sometimes you want to transport items from Lagos up to the east or up to the north and you have to when you get a driver think of giving that driver money that he's going to use to drive no. Like to follow the car and everything, also give the driver some money to pay to pass certain areas. Yeah, you know things like that. Like those things are not because you you think sometimes that oh I want I don't want to be part of this system, but it, that you don't want to you want to do things the way that it should be done. Right. But sometimes you're not going to get anything done the way that it should be done. Right. So you end up playing into that system, and it just it's just one of the things that I would say keeps me up at night. It's like, can you really say that you are not benefiting from this system? Because you are like, you may not be benefiting directly, but like you are forced into taking advantage of the system because in the end, if you don't use the system as already on ground, then you can't make any progress, you know? So yeah. it just goes into a big, I don't know, but it just gets into like, it just frustrating sometimes. I entirely understand it. Thank you so much for, for sharing your thoughts. I think at least I've enjoyed this conversation profoundly. I hope you have at least enjoyed uh, the process oh, of sharing I, your thoughts. I have. Good, I have. Good. Good. Do you, I have. I've enjoyed this. I just end up like, by the time I get to I'm like, oh, I should have said this. Really? Oh, no, I should have mentioned. It happens because, well, it just happens. Okay. Because, yeah. Well, well, well if you have any added thoughts, we'll get you on for another interview later on. I'm, I interview people twice all the time. Um, but you know, this is, this has just been amazing. And, um, you know, is it, do you interview often? You are a really good interviewer. Um, I don't know. I, I, recently I have had that, well, but most of my interviews are like written. Okay. Like, Cause before I could just send you an email and answer questions. Really? Okay. But, so I, I don't do, I haven't done many interviews. Probably this is my first 
thing I got called and interviewed usually what? my friends yes <laughs> awesome <laughs> that makes me very happy in a weird way alright it's just my like my friend and I on like all the podcasts just ranting and okay. just you know, talking about yeah but this is good Awesome. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it as well. And thank you so much. Um, we're going to be talking. Well, I'll stop the recording shortly. But um, uh, to all my listeners, thank you so much for listening in. Um, please support. I'm going to put her links and her uh, email, her address and everything like that on our uh, show notes and in our website that is soon to be coming. Um, thanks so much for listening. And you guys, listeners, have a wonderful rest of your day. Uh, bye.